been a long time since I was ready for a series to be done. I'm just being honest with you. I am so over this teaching series. The joke right here, I always say that everyone says I have about seven or eight different sermons I preach, and that's the extent of it. I don't like preaching on new topics because I know whatever I'm going to preach on during that time, I'm going to be battling during that time. I'm not one of those guys who's super into spiritual warfare. I don't see devils behind every bush, but there's reasons I avoid certain topics. I don't ever want to teach on marriage because if I teach on marriage, me and Christine are going to come real close to killing each other during that series. Every time I do a series on how to gain financial freedom, how to get out of debt, how to get your finances in order, you can take it to the bank, man. We're going to have all kinds of financial troubles during that series. And man, I have battled mentally during this series. And that's very unlike me. I'm not the type of person who gets in funks. I'm not the type of person who kind of gets down. I'm not the type of person whose mind plays head games on them. But man, I have battled Unlike any other time the last few weeks, we've got one more week of this series, and I never want to teach on this subject again. But I've taken what we've talked about over the last couple of weeks, and I've applied it during those times, and it's amazing how God's Word always is faithful. God's Word is always true, and as you battle with those things, you can begin to get victory over those things. So we've been talking about winning the war on your mind. And we've talked about some different things. We, we, we've talked about that most of life's battles, no matter what those battles are, they're won or they're lost in the mind. As your mind goes, therefore you go. You've been around people who are doom and gloom. They're just negative. They're they're Debbie Downer, and it seems like everything in their life is always falling apart. And the reality is their life isn't falling apart any more than anyone else's life is. They just want you to know about it because their mind is constantly on the fact that their life is going through hard times. And you meet those people, it seems like everything goes right for them. They're always up. They're always positive about everything. The reality is those people are dealing with the same struggles the other person is, but the mindset is different. Most of life's battles are won or lost in the mind. We talked about we, it's impossible to have a positive life. It's impossible to have a positive life with a negative mind. It just can't happen. And again, that can be a problem when your mind races towards the negative. Last week we talked about how do you battle those negative thoughts. If you weren't here for that, Man, you can go to your app store, you can go to your podcast thing on your phone, type in actionchurch.tv, and you can download those sermons for free. And it was one of those messages that seemed to hit home with a lot of people. We talked about how we can take the negativity captive, and there's steps that we can do. This week, I want to talk about what happens not when our mind becomes negative, but what happens when our mind becomes anxious or irrational I know that you're all perfect and it's church and so it's the biggest bunch of liars around. So we would never be honest. I don't want you to raise your hand, but I want you to answer the question, yes or no. How many of you from time to time deal with irrational thoughts? You deal with runaway fears. I I, I don't know what it is for you, but maybe you worry about something 
that just seems, Doug, we good over there? Hey, old man. Are they hot? They're hot. All right, we're waiting on you. We're waiting on you right now. The whole sermon's being distracted while you turn the heat off. Now you're dropping stuff. I guarantee you fix and knock that metal thing over. Just take your time, pick it back up. Go ahead, screw it back on. Don't worry about it. We, we got all day. People dying and going to hell right now because I can't preach this message. There's a few people in the church I can't pick on. Doug's one of them. Y'all would choose Doug all day long. My wife would choose Doug all day long over me. Like I hey, you done? Can I preach now? Security. Tase him. Like I said, I don't know what it would be for you. But normally the anxiety and the fear that I've learned is it's something that's kind of normal and we obsess over it and we make it much bigger. Maybe it's a student and they get a bad grade on a test and and then they're worried because they got a bad grade on a test that they're not going to get into the right college. And then because you can't get into the right college, you won't get the right job. And if you don't have the right job, you're not going to meet the right person. And if you don't meet the right person, you're not going to marry the right person. And if you marry the wrong person, you're going to have the wrong kids. And those kids are going to come up and they're going to need braces. And braces are expensive. And they're going to take all your money to pay for their braces. Then they're going to be ready to go to college. And you can't pay for them to go to college because you're paying for for braces. And it gives you so much anxiety that you wonder if, man, you're having heart palpitations. And speaking of heart palpitations, you've been having really bad headaches and you probably need to get on WebMD and figure out what's going on. Oh my God, it's a brain tumor. It all starts because someone had a bad grade. (laughs) Irrational thoughts. Irrational thoughts. It's amazing how our mind takes over. And of course, I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. We all deal with that. Right. The other day, the screen on my truck flickered. It flickered one time. I was convinced that it flickered because the engine was bad. Because the engine was bad, I might as well go trade it in. A couple of my friends have got bigger trucks, and I need a bigger truck. Even though I literally have never pulled anything with the truck ever. Then I opened the back door yesterday, and I got this new dog. We rescued this five-year-old bulldog, and he goes to work with it, and he's awesome. Except that that little thing has been chewing on the back pocket on my driver's seat door. That makes the truck irrelevant. It no longer works proper. And so last night, while Christine was asleep, I'm looking at trucks online. Irrational thoughts. 
I mean, once you get a little bitty hole about that big in the back pocket on your driver's side, it just goes downhill from there. Of course the radio was flickering. It had to do with that hole in the back seat. Irrational thoughts, man, they can take control of us. The reality is, for so many of us, irrational thoughts come. We'll be watching the news. You hear what happens in the life of someone you love. You're fighting for a good marriage and something happens and you wonder if it's ever going to work. You've got more bills than you know how to pay. You're trying to make some kind of decision about the future. And it's so easy for our mind to race to extremes. It's crazy. And our mind, when it becomes anxious, our mind, when it becomes fearful, then begins to control us and we live our life with this anxiety. I call it a tightness in my chest. I can just feel it. It it feels like the weight of the world is on me. There's a great portion of Scripture in Philippians chapter 4. give you a little context. Paul, the guy who wrote this, is in prison while he's writing this. He's awaiting possible execution while he writes this. And he begins to write to the church of Philippi, and he kind of wraps it up with this. Right around verse 6, he says, Do not be anxious about anything. Okay. Sure. You hate when someone says, just quit worrying. Stop. Guys, you've learned this the hard way. Does it ever do any good to tell your wife, just calm down? Like, takes it a whole other level immediately. Just calm down. We're so guilty that just, just do this. God's not that way. He says, don't be anxious about anything. It's a broad statement. It's a bold statement. That's a kick to the nut statement. No way around it. That's what it is. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about it. That word anything in the original language, it means anything. It doesn't mean 90% of stuff. It doesn't mean 95% of stuff. It means your kids, your finances, your spouse, your job, your car that's making that weird noise, how you're going to pay the bills. He says, don't be anxious about anything. But here's what's so cool about God. He doesn't just tell us to do something. He comes back and says, boom, I'm going to give you the answer on how to do it. He says, but in every situation, that word every in the original language, guess what it means? It means every. God, we're getting so smart around here. I just don't like Gary. He just doesn't break it down in the original language for me. And I like to go really deep in the Word of God. Aren't you glad we have an English version of the Bible? We don't speak Hebrews anymore around here. Greek anymore. We have English version. Not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, man, when you're anxious, that's the contrary to peace. It says, don't be anxious. Don't be full of turmoil. Go to God in prayer. And when you do that, the peace of God, the opposite of being anxious, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. So you're saying, man, I don't understand it. You're not going to. 
That's why he's God and you're not. If you had to understand it all, it wouldn't take faith to follow him. (laughs) You know? Which transcends all understanding. It will guard your hearts and guard your minds. Don't be anxious about it. Just pray about it. Now, if I was a really good preacher who loved you, I'd be like, that's the sermon. Let's go home. Don't be anxious. Pray. You pray, God guards your heart. He guards your mind. We're going to break it down a little bit more. Restaurants aren't open yet, so. But guard your heart. Guard your mind. Finally, brothers and sisters. He says, let me wrap this up. I love my favorite, one of my favorite portions of Scripture. He says, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, he says, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. He said, instead of thinking about all that could go wrong, think about all that could go right. The reason most of you will never step out on faith to chase your dreams or chase the person you love or to do whatever it is you feel God's called you is because you're too focused on the risk and not focused on the reward. He said, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, think on those things. Put your mind to those things. I think I posted on Facebook, it was either this week or last week, I said, I wonder how Facebook would be different if people knew what we were for as much as they knew what we were against. We love to be negative. We love to tell everybody what we're against. But nobody knows what we're for. We don't think on what's positive. My God, they've shut us down, I can't go anywhere. Yeah, you can. But in the process of not being able to go anywhere, man, what about if you focus on the fact you get more time with your family? More time making memories? More time teaching your kids that we live in the greatest country in the world and we have freedom, but we can go wherever we want to, when we want to go to. Oh, did I say that? We think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, He says, put it into practice. He says, it's not enough just to hear it. I want you to put it into practice. The church does a phenomenal job of telling people what they should do. Churches do a great job talking about what they're going to do. They do a piss poor job of living it out. That's why we call ourselves Action Church. That's why we chose that name from the beginning. We will never talk about what we do more than what we actually do. We we have accepted the fact that we're the hands and the feet of Christ and we'll go out and do the dirty work. We don't just gather on Sunday because it's fun to do. We gather on Sunday because we believe this is a pep rally to go back into the week and for us to be Action Church in the community. Action Church isn't this building. Thank God. What a dump. All the time, everybody knows the buildings for sale. Oh, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Who cares? It'll be better than this. 
It could be worse. It can't, it literally can't be worse than this. I'm just being honest, it can't. We are in the crappiest shopping center in the city. The crappiest parking lot in the crappiest part of town. Where are we going to go? We'll go to a tent. A tent would be nicer. I'm telling you. I could bring in porta johns and we could probably have cleaner bathrooms. I'm just telling you, I mean, like, it, it could be worse. Not that the bathrooms aren't clean, but they do tend to stop up a lot. And like, we leave church one day and the whole parking lot sinks in. Remember that? Huge man, a huge cave in the whole parking lot. 30 minutes after we leave. I wouldn't know what to do if we showed up at a church building that didn't have used condoms out on the sidewalk and beer cans, everything from the, the bar down to the other end. It wouldn't feel like church. Man. Put it into practice. Think on these things. Don't just, don't just focus on the negative. Focus on the positive. Now remember, Paul's in prison when he's writing this. And he tells us that we're to guard our hearts and we're to guard our minds. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about worry. Let's talk about anxiety. Let's talk about the mind. And if you'll remember a key point throughout this series, we've said over and over and over, your life will always be moving in the direction of your thoughts. This is why it's so important. Because if you're anxiety-ridden, if you're stress-ridden, if you're fear-ridden, then your life is going to be moving in those thoughts. It's going to be moving in that direction. As your mind goes there, you go. Garbage in, garbage out. It's that simple. Leave that up there, Xander, please. Your life will always be moving in the direction of your thoughts. Now, this is good news if you have positive thoughts. This is bad news if you have negative thoughts. We've been talking over the last few weeks about the Bible, and we've been talking about science. Someone messaged me this week and said, they don't go together. No, 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 no. We serve the God of science. (laughs) They go together. True science will always validate the existence of God. It might not at the beginning, but over time and over the years, it always goes back to God. See, we have this little part of our brain, this little almond-shaped part of our brain. And its only function is one thing and one thing only. Survival. It's the, uh, if you ever find yourself in a moment where you're trying to decide immediately, not even think about, I got to fight or flight, that's that almond shape part of your brain. It's the survival part of your brain. Whenever you're in danger, it sends adrenaline to your body and tells you that you need to fight or you need to run. You need to do whatever it takes to survive. Whatever it is, that's that part of that body. But because we have that part of our brain, we also have the prefrontal cortex, and that's the logical part of our brain. The almond-shaped part of our brain. The reason I'm calling it the almond-shaped part of the brain is I couldn't pronounce what it was really called. I didn't want to say I'm more redneck than normal. So the almond part's always battling with the logical part. And they're in a constant battle with each other. They go to extremes. Like when you hear a noise in the middle of the night, 
It's the almond-shaped part of your brain that jumps up and grabs the gun and meat like, whoa! Grabs a baseball bat. The logical part of your brain is the dog probably knocked over a table. It's not a big deal. Breathe. Okay? You live in... Breathe. They're always in battle. And the problem is so many times we allow this almond-shaped part of our brain to take over. And because we're in constantly fight-or-flight mode, we're anxiety-ridden. It's always responding according to its pre-programming. The survival part is because it's shaped how you would respond to that based on your pre-programming, what you've been through in life. So when that part of our brain has dominion in our brain, we tend to believe certain things even if they're not true. When I came into Emily's life, she was about six years old. Her biological father had had a lot of run-ins with the police when I met her. And for some reason, I would go pick her up from school, and every time we saw a couple, she'd be like, there's the police, there's the police. I'd be like, okay, police, we ain't going to jail. That's the police, sit down. She, all, she was predisposed, that survival mode in her, because she had been taught by her father that police were bad. Not that he was always the one making poor decisions. It was the police. She was predisposed to thinking the police were bad. That survival part of her brain would kick in and it would override the logical part of her brain. I, I don't know what it is in your life, but what happens is we allow that part of our life to control. And some past hurt, some fear, some trauma, some misunderstanding of places or events it triggers you. Every scenario can be different, but it causes that shortness of breath. That panicking, that wondering, that trying to control things that you can't control. That completely overwhelmed feeling comes from that almond-shaped part of our brain. But we have this logical part of our brain. The battle's going on, and which one do we give dominion to? That's why Paul said in this Roman prison, he said, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about it. That could be the big test coming up. That could be the job interview coming up. That could be your health situation. That could be a decision about the future. It could be a financial burden. He said, don't be anxious about everything. But in every situation, focus on God. Let God guard your heart and guard your, guard your mind. Let me give you an example of this in my own life. I hope I'm not disclosing information I should have asked Heather before I did this. But Heather's father was battling COVID last week. He was in the hospital. I wanted to be encouraging to Heather. But the minute she told me what her father was going through in the hospital, guess where my mind went? Almost a year ago, Christine's grandfather died in the hospital of COVID going through the same things. Because of what had happened to me previously, because of what I had been through previously, the almond-shaped part of my brain goes into panic mode. I had to breathe. I had to calm down. I came home. I talked to Christine about it. I said, man, I want to be an encouragement. I think I just looked at her like, like a deer in the headlights because I went back to what they said about your grandfather and him passing away suddenly and us not expecting it. The reality is he's doing great now. He's 
doing great. Two different people, two different situations. But that survival part of my mind kicked in, even though the logical part of my mind was saying this is a totally different scenario with a totally different person, and the technology's come along, and they've learned so much in the last year. My logical couldn't kick in. The anxiety kicked in. We've got to learn to take control of that. If it's on your mind, don't miss this. This is good. We need to understand. Can we go back to those verses, Xander? Verse 6. Don't mention anything by prayer. Please. Go to the next one, please. And the peace of God which trends all our sin will guard your hearts and your God. Check this out. If it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. If it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. And when we surrender to God in those situations, when we go to God in those situations, he cares about us more than we could ever imagine. He says, in every situation, in my prayer and petition and thanksgiving, we present our request to God. And when you give your burdens to God, don't miss this, when you give your burdens to God, God will transcend your understanding. He will replace your thoughts with his thoughts and guard your heart and guard your mind. We can't do that in the natural. In the natural, we panic. In the natural, we stress. In the natural, we have anxiety. In the natural, we want to control the situation. When we step back and we give it to God, and the peace of God comes along and it transcends all of our understanding through a simple thing called prayer. It's often crazy to me how we as Christ followers undervalue and how we discount the power of prayer. You say it all the time. You've heard me say this before. Situation goes wrong, we're like all we can do is pray. Like it's a last resort. No, we should have been praying from the beginning. We should have been going with our prayers and our petitions and our thanksgiving, thanking God that he's in control. That's what the thanksgiving is. God, I know that you're in control. I thank you. And then he comes along and begins to transcend our understanding. Oh my gosh, all we can do is pray. Like it's like it's a bad thing. No, it's a great thing. <laughs> I can almost imagine God saying, all we can do is pray. And you think that that's nothing? I mean, think about the God who moves mountains. The God who raised the dead. The God who could seal the hick, the sick, and he, he could heal a hick too. Sick and the hicks. Could cause the blind to see. That God allows us to come to him in prayer. We need to understand that prayer is not our last defense. It's our first line of offense. Go to God in prayer. That anxiety, give it to him. That stress, give it to him. That control, give it to him. And he says, I'll transcend your understanding. I'll guard your heart and I'll guard your minds. God, prayer not only touches the heart of God, science says, science says it begins to change the chemistry of our brain. Begins to change the chemistry of our brain. 
For decades, neurologists believed that the brain didn't change after adolescence. Some of you wives are like, that is true. You haven't met my husband. But now the more that they dig into science, the more they realize the mind is constantly evolving. It's constantly growing. That's why you're maturing is what we call it. Thank God my brain did not freeze at 15 years old. Holy smokes. That would not have been good. Dr. Caroline Leaf in her book, Switch on Your Brain, said this. I think it's a powerful quote. She said, it's been found through science that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain in such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. Remember that first week we talked about the pathways that go, the neural pathways, and when the first time you have a negative thought, a pathway gets carved in, and the more you have that thought, the easier it is to have that thought? You begin to heal those thoughts through prayer. It's why meditation is so powerful, not this Mideastern meditation that we think about, but just simply shutting. I think it's more important now in the days and time of just social media and news and crazy, and we have voices everywhere, just to be alone for a few minutes. Focus, go to God, and begin to unburden our heart and our anxieties to him. And they say 12 minutes for eight weeks can literally begin to see a difference in your brain on a brain scan. Not only does prayer touch the heart of God, but it changes the brain. There's power in prayer. It begins to take away the anxiety neuropaths, the negative thinking neuropaths. <laughs> but we worry. And have you ever asked yourself why we find ourselves anxious? <laughs> if we're followers of Christ, there's not one here that would say, man, I shouldn't trust God completely. Everyone would say, I should trust God completely. But we want to be in control. Science would tell us we're experiencing a hijack of that little almond-shaped part of our brain. It's hijacking our brain. You're in trouble. You better take control. Better stay up till 2 in the morning worrying about it because that's going to change it. So science would say you're experiencing a brain hijack. Scripture would say our mind is dominated by sinful thinking. And the sinful thinking is not fully trusting Christ. For him to know what to do good and do it not, it is sin. We know where to trust God, but we don't. A simple definition of worry is this. It's the sin of distrusting. Don't know. This is good. It's the sin of distrusting the promises and the power of God. We know God will provide for us. We know God will take care of us. We know God will guard our hearts and God will God God will guard our minds. But we begin to distrust that. I'm going to worry about this, and you might not say this verbally, but this is what you're saying. You're saying I'm going to worry about this. Because ultimately, I don't trust you. It's why we'll give so much of our life to Christ, but the last thing so many will give to them is their finances. They don't trust Christ. They don't trust. It's funny, God can watch over their kids, and God can watch over this, and God can watch over, but man, he's not good enough on my finances. I want to control that. It's tangible. It's why God talks so much about money. He talked more about money than he talked about faith. 
talked more about money than he talked about prayer because he knew money would be our stumbling block. So what we got to do is instead of letting our sinful nature take control of our mind, which is what happens so easily, we need to be a follower of Christ, and I want to begin to let my spirit, his spirit in me, direct my thinking. Instead of letting my mind run in all these fearful ways, I'm going to choose to submit to the Holy Spirit of Christ that is in me, which dwells in me. You call it a conscience, we call it the Holy Spirit. It's that little still voice inside of you. And you're going to allow it to begin to direct your path, and you're going to allow it to begin to fight that almond-shaped part of your mind with the logical part of your mind. I'm going to take my prefrontal cortex, if you will, and say, I'm going to think on what's true. My wife and I have had different situations. I feel this way. Okay? Your feelings are your feelings. We've both been on both ends of this. But let's look at it logically and look at it. You can think whatever you want to think. But you're wrong because here's the truth. The truth is X, Y, Z. When you begin to look at the truth, instead of our illogical thinking, it begins to change your mindset. The Spirit begins to lead us. You think on what's excellent, Paul said. There's a scripture in Romans 8. I love the scripture. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the, what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Check it out, check it out, check it out. The mind, what are we talking about? The mind is governed by the flesh, is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. So when we're allowing that almond-shaped part of our mind to take over, we're operating in sin, it's controlling us. And it's the flesh. We're worried about the finances, and we're worried about the jobs, and we're worried about this, and we're worried about that, and we're worried about this, and A, B, C, D, X, Y, whatever it is. We're stressed over it. My wife is a car freak, and she freaks out over cars. Anytime they go wrong, anything, they can make the weirdest noise. She's already been on the phone trying to figure out how to get my pocket fixed. I'm like, who cares? I don't see it. It's in the back. That's important to her. When I first met her, I had a car. She's like, get all these engine lights on. I was like, yeah, but they've been on for like two years. You need to get those fixed. I said, why? It runs fine. Listen, I just put tape over the dash. Her car can make it can normally operate at a noise of a 10. It can be a noise of a 9. And she knows, did you hear that? No, I didn't. I know this car. I know how it should run. I can feel it. Take it to the shop. Okay, take it to the shop. We worry about things instead of giving them to God. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. What do we all want in life? We want peace. But we're not willing to submit to God, who's the God of peace. We want to control it. We want to worry about it. We want to stress over it. 
God says, quit being irrational. I got this. I know the hairs on your head, they're numbered. I own the cattle on a thousand hills. I'm God. Here's the reality of the situation. Either he's God or he's not. He doesn't just get to be God when everything's going great. He's God when everything's going wrong. He's just not God when there's money in the bank. He's God when you go to work and they tell you you don't have a job anymore. He's still God. But we trust him when it's good. Man, God is good. And then we get sick and, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Freaking out. He's still God and he's still good. We're going to go to him in prayer. Let him know your concerns. Let him know your fears. My wife and I had a big talk this week. How many of you are married? You know, that's how you just, you just know when it's not right. But neither one of you want to bring it up. Nothing's bad. It just ain't right. The chemistry ain't right. But you don't want to fight about it and she don't want to fight about it. And so you do nothing until you fight about it. We had one of those meetings this week. Of course, she was in the wrong. I might have been this much in the wrong. But we sat in the truck in the, park, in the driveway, and we talked it out for probably an hour. We worked it out. We communicated. We let each other know, here's what I'm not getting, and here's what you're not getting, and here's the issue, and here's what I'm fearful of, and here's what I'm fearful of. And instantly it was gone. To the point that the next day we're like, man, I'm glad we got that discussion out of the way. And I feel better. Yeah, me too. It's been great. God wants you to come to him and tell him what the problem is. So we go to him in prayer, then we go to him in petition, asking him, man, help me in this area. Help me, God. Help me to trust you. Lord, pray for him. I'm praying for my financial situation. Lord, I'm praying for my car. I'm praying for my job. I'm praying for these kids who are driving me crazy. And I just want to kill them. And now school's out this week, and I'm really going to want to kill them. God, just help me. I'm choosing God. And then we're going to go to him in Thanksgiving, thanking him in advance for what he's going to do. There's power in that. And when we do that, it turns it back over to him. What we typically do is we say, man, I'm going to give it to God, and we give it to God. And God doesn't respond in the first five minutes, and we take it back. I gave God a chance. And then we're filled with anxiety, and we're filled with stress. And how's that working for you? Keep doing what you've been doing, you keep getting what you've been getting. God, I'm going to pray about this, but because I, I don't see... What you see, I'm still going to stay stressed over it. Knowing that God's been good to you over and over and over and over. Knowing that you could stand up and realize that God's got you through so much in life. Instead of giving it to God, we carry it away. We forget how good God's been in the past. I heard this this week, and I don't 
know this is something I'll do, but I'm thinking about doing it. Because I think it's, there's, there's power in symbolism. I saw a guy this week, and he made a box. And every time he had a worry, and every time he had an anxiety, and every time he was stressed about something, he would write it on a note card. Throw it in the God box is what he called it. And he said after he would throw it in the God box, he made the decision, I'm just going to move on with life and trust God. And he said then sometimes things come along and they're so overwhelming to him that even though he writes it down, he can't let go. And he said he goes back up and he opens up the God box. And he pulls out that thing of cars and he says, Man, I remember when I was feeling that way, God answered it. Man, I remember when I was feeling about that and God took care of it. And God, we forget what God's done in the past and what he's done before he'll do again. We need those reminders of how good God is. Say, Gary, what worries you, man? All kinds of things worry me. I have four children. They worry me. I've got one out of high school. I don't know what she wants to do with her life. It worries me. I have one about to graduate high school. He was raised by a very sheltered mom, and he's fixed to move away to college and be exposed to the awesomeness that is that. And he is a lamb. And it worries me. I got a freshman in high school who constantly worries me. She does. I want to see her become a leader, not a follower. It worries me. I have a 10-year-old. I get him 50% of the time, so I only get to put awesomeness in him 50% of the time. (coughs) It worries me. I have a wife, and she worries me. I want her to have peace, and I want her to have trust, and I want her to know that we're okay and we're good. And I don't want her to feel overworked and this way and stressed. Away. It worries me. And Man, I own my own business, and that worries me. Came in Monday and literally had zero work. And for about two seconds, it worried me. And then we had so much work that we couldn't even get it done this week. Because God answers prayers. And contrary to popular belief, this church worries me. Like, I love you people. I'm an alcoholic because of you people, but I love you people. And I watch some of you making decisions, and I'm like, oh, man, it worries me. And, and, and the building thing, it doesn't worry me. It doesn't keep me up at night, but I, but I think about it. But I've learned to go to God with those things. And God will take care of it. I've been in this game too long. It's amazing that when I turn it over to God, instantly the stress goes away. The issue doesn't go away, but I'm trusting Christ in that situation. So I want to give you some real quick things and we're going to go home. Here's how we should deal with the anxious mind. The first thing we're going to do is I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to do what I can do. All that I can do is what I can do. If you want to get in better shape and all you're doing is praying about your health, trust me, it don't work. You got to do something. Eat right. 
Go work out. Start taking steroids. I don't know what it is. You got to do something. Do what you can do. I don't just pray for my children to grow up and be functioning members of society. I make sure I invest in my kids. I make sure I teach them. The Bible says, raise up a child in the way she goes, old will not depart from it. Teach your children. My daughter last year wanted to start her own boutique business. We gave her a loan, a loan. Said she paid it back, she paid it back. First make a lamb ain't no joke. She paid it back with interest. Papa tried to come along. I'll give her an interest freely. No, you won't. Papas can do that. But she needed to realize, man, you borrowed $1,000, you pay back this. It was high interest too. It was like she had bad credit. But I want her to know you go set up your booth and you sell your clothing. Oh, by the way, she was 14. She's got her first job. She wants to cut hair. She's got a job at the best salon in town. Known them forever. I didn't call in a favor. I made her call them. She followed up with them. They said, we don't hire people at her age. They can't start training until they're 17. She looked at me and said, she said, but this is what I want to do in my life. Just being here and doing other stuff. Wouldn't I learn how to do that? The guy's like, hired her. Teaching her to do what she can do. I can't worry. I have no control over this piece of property. We've been here 10 years. If they call tomorrow and say it's sold, guess what? It sells. But I can do what I can do. So what can I do? I call on buildings all the time when I see empty buildings. I communicate with the owner of the building to stay in the loop on what's going on. I try to stay in the loop on what's going around the area to know, man, what's coming, what's going to happen, what are they thinking about doing here. It's all I can do. I can't do anything else. I can't buy the building. And if I could buy it, I don't want it. (laughs) So we're going to do what we can do when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your job, when it comes to your marriage. Hey, marriage takes two. All you can do is what you can do. The problem is you do what you do, expecting them to do this. You have no control over what they do, contrary to what you think. So I'm going to do what I can do. The second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give to God what I can't do. I cannot stop my children from making stupid decisions. They're children. I remember Emily did this thing one time. Oh, Christine was on tilt, boy. I'm talking about on tilt. She had moved away from being a lamb, had reverted back to the cope in her. Like, I thought def- I, like, I, I thought we were going to have to throw down. Like, I thought police were going to get called by the neighbors on behalf of Emily. And she was right. But I looked at her and said, you didn't do nothing like that when you were 14. I remember your daddy telling me a story. Blah, 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 blah. We just didn't have cell phones then. But she might have, she's young. I didn't have cell phones then. I'd do all my dirty stuff through a beeper. 
you know. I had my number codes and everything. Then have Snapchat, Instagram Live, and Facebook Live. They ain't doing anything we didn't do. We're like, we weren't dumb enough to get caught. No, we just didn't have technology because we would have been dumb enough to get caught. I remember I snuck a girl into my house one time. On the landline. Come over, blah, 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 blah. I didn't know my mom was on the other landline listening to everything. My parents are slick. They didn't say a word. We had a finished basement. My room was in the basement. Nobody came to the basement. Sneaker in the window. I was sitting there, hear the TV outside the room. I walk out, my dad sitting there watching TV. I said, What are you doing? Came down here to watch TV. We've been living in this house for 16 years. You ain't ever come down here and watch TV. The next day, I said, My plan was I had Saturday school because I was in trouble. So she was going to climb out the window, go to the top of the neighborhood. When I left to go to Saturday school, I was going to pick her up. Saturday morning, wakes up. This girl sleeps in the closet all night long. Because my dad falls asleep on the couch outside my bedroom. Sneak her out, get rid of my dad. Said, oh, I need your keys today. For what? I got to go get the oil change on my car, and I'm going to need your car to run all around. I'll just take you to school. That girl sat in the rain in the woods for eight hours. Come, They never brought it up. I think I'm with Christine one night, with you one night at dinner. And I bring up something, I said, my dad said, remember that time you snuck that girl in downstairs? <laughs> you knew about that? Yeah, we knew about that. I ain't doing anything we ain't doing. I don't even know what they had to do with the sermon. I just want to share the story. I got to give God what I can't do. I don't know what the future holds when it comes to my kids. So I'm going to give what I can. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to give to God. I'm going to cling to his promises. You train them up in the way they should go. They get old. They won't depart from it. I don't know where we'll be next. Maybe we'll be in this building forever. I don't know. Maybe we'll be somewhere else. I don't know. But you know who does know? God. So I'm going to trust him. I don't know who the next customer is going to be in my business, but God does. So I'm going to trust him that he didn't cause me to step out without providing. The old saying, uh, work like everything depends on you and pray like everything depends on God. Faith without works is dead, so we're going we're gonna to do all we can do. And then we're going to trust God. And the rest of the way. And then last, I'm going to trust God no matter what. Once I've done all I can do, and then I've given God what I can't do, we're just going to trust God. He's smarter than you. He's smarter than me. Tomorrow I will get on a podcast, me and Uncle Randy. I think the two greatest minds in Cherokee County on a podcast. Can I get an amen, Uncle? 
And we're taking a whole nother level tomorrow. Our wives are going to be on the podcast with us. And with all the mental power that will be in that room, their house might literally blow up from awesomeness. And yet God's even smarter than the four of us in that room combined. Trust him. We're going to trust God no matter what. (laughs) If our mind is moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, the question is, do you like the direction your thoughts are taking you? For so long, my thoughts were so negative and just jerkish. I begin to change my mindset. Whatever that lie you've been believing, that thing that's giving you the anxiety, we're going to expose it for truth. That's how you expose a lie, for truth. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to write the truth out. We're going to think on the truth of God. We're going to confess the truth of God over and over and over until we believe the truth of God. I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to pay the bills. Well, your God owns cattle on a thousand hills. That's the truth. I feel so alone. Well, he says he's with you and he'll never leave you or forsake you. That's the truth. We're going to think on that truth, confess that truth, until we believe that truth. We're going to think on it over and over until our mind begins to believe it. And then as our mind begins to believe it, we'll begin to believe it because as our mind goes, we go. Mind's powerful. We've got to take capture of those negative thoughts. We've got to t- take capture of those anxious thoughts. Because guess what? You stressing over those anxious thoughts ain't making them go away. They're still there. Now you're distressed about them. You're waiting for those test results. I get it. I get it. But you stressing over it's not changing the results. They're still coming when they come. You're just adding anxiety to it. Trust God. Close out this series next week. Thank God. Give your negative thoughts to God. Give your anxious thoughts to God. Walk with the mind of God. Let's pray.